0: and welcome to episode number three of Oshok The Archives. We are now in the year 2000 And fully, I'm so excited to do this one. I, I can't lie. For the last two episodes, I've really been gassing this one up, but <laughs> it goes without saying, even without Portuguese, sort of um if we take you know the Celosao out of it, this is one of the tournaments that journalists, players who played in it. Um, Football fans who were there, football fans who watched it on TV, uh, they call this arguably the greatest, if not one of the greatest international football tournaments that's ever taken place. In fact, uh, in The Guardian, I forget which journalist it was, they actually ranked every international tournament. That's Copa America, AFCON, World Cup, European Championship, and they, they ranked Euro 2000 right at the top the more I got into sort of Portuguese football, the more I got into football in general, I went back and watched this tournament. Not just Portugal, but all of the countries and watched basically the tournament from start to finish. And um, it's a really, a real special one. And Philippe, I know you've got quite similar sentiments for this tournament.
1: Yeah, for me, this one is my favourite tournament, uh, just in terms of everything. The the football, it was the first one that I proper remember watching, as in like I was already eight so I could remember like uh, being excited when coming home after school to, to watch the games. And to be fair, from the five games we played, I remember the Portugal-England uh, game, the game against Germany and the game against France. The other two, I don't have memories from that time watching the games live. I don't know if it was because they were earlier, so I was in school or yeah. I was doing something else, but, but I don't remember those games. Like I watched them later, but I don't, I don't have memories from me watching those games but the other three I remember
0: exactly what I was and who yeah. I was with and, and it's so cool <laughs> I'm jealous I'm jealous to that extent because it, it isn't until as I say it isn't until really 2004 that I can pinpoint going back and watching it everything about the tournament the kits the players the fact that sort of the squad that we spoke about in 96 on the on the last podcast Philippe really, the start of that golden generation They they were here in live in the flesh they were they were you know they were in their prime a lot of we were speaking off air before the likes of Luis Figo who cost the Sousa uh, you know 27 28 29 years of age um we actually pointed out the, the youngest player in the squad was Nuno Gomes at 23 which that now would be considered not old but 23 is kind of like you know that sort of a standard age you know that's yeah. a standard age in a squad whereas obviously you fast forward to the likes of now the likes of Nuno Mendes being called up to the to the Euro squad at eighteen and twenty sixteen, we had Renato Sanchez. There is always sort of an influx of real youth. But yeah, two thousand was a squad really made up of players playing for top European clubs. They were in the prime. It had every it had all the ingredients really for didn't it? For, for it to be a, yeah, it was a, the top a, of the golden
1: generation. Plus, and a very important thing, which is all of them, all of the big players were like fit as well. So like yeah. in the World Cup in 2002, you, you see them, they're not fit. Like Figo had an injury, Ricochet was not 100% either. But in 2000, all of them felt like they were at their top. Uh, maybe not. Paul Sosa is probably the one that was already a bit down in his career, still quite young, but he had a few injuries and he didn't came to this tournament um, at his peak. But everyone else, you look in the squad and they were absolutely at top form um obviously Figo Rui Costa Conceição, Ivan uh, Costinha in France, uh, Sapinto, mm-hmm. Nuno Gomes. Then you have obviously the very fun story about uh, João Pinto, which he came to this tournament without a club because um he was not being Benfica play anymore and it was between uh, that moment and at the end of the tournament when he signed for for Sporting. Yeah. But but yeah, they all <laughs> of them were were, <laughs> were ready to shine and and they did. It was it was very very good.
0: Yeah, exceptional, and and um, yeah, the manager at the time was Humberto Coelho and it was I think going into well, d- just before we even start on on the qualification and the tournament itself, just to as we always do is give a bit of context. Um, if you actually look, rather than going backwards and look forwards, uh, the obviously had the failure after ninety six for for what happened in the ninety eight qualifying for the World Cup, but two thousand is a real turning point and is a really important date. Um, because from that point on, Portugal have have never failed to qualify for a major tournament since then. So, every World Cup, every European Championship, um, and obviously there's been sort of the um the the Nations League since then. But if we're just classing, we're just going on the the big UEFA competition and the big FIFA competition. That's um, you know that's and before two thousand, which I think is 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 quite is quite a startling figure. Is that? Sela Sour had actually failed to qualify for 22 out of the 26 major tournaments. That's World Cups and, and European Championships. Before 2000, since then, it's been nothing but qualification. Uh, it's, and it's been, to be honest, nothing but real good performances. I mean, he's obviously had some blips here or there, but you know, since 2000, you've had semi-final appearances, final appearances, you know, uh, trophy lifting in, in 2016. So, um, yeah, a real... I keep using this this phrase, like watershed moment this, but I feel like everything was sort of leading up to this this 2000, Felipe. And yeah, I feel was, like...
1: Yeah, it was it was a, the big change as well was, if uh, you remember when we spoke about 84 and 96, what the Portuguese clubs done in Europe that year or the season before. In this one, you see that the difference is no longer are the Portuguese clubs pushing the the selection forward is actually the players going abroad. So, Because mm-hmm. the only important thing that happened is between this time is in 99-2000, Porto reached the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Apart yeah. from then, nothing really happened. Sporting obviously won, won the title after 18 years, but nothing big in Europe. Same thing with BeFica. same thing with Povisto that came later after. But the yeah. big difference is the fact that out of these 22 players that made the squad, 11 of them, so half of the players, were playing abroad. So yeah. they made a massive difference in how confident they were coming into this tournament because they're no longer seen as the um, Portuguese team that they come along, they play good football, but eventually they will lose. They actually yeah. came here. They have the best players, some of the best players in the world. And they were they were called at the time. Um, the the Brazilian team in uh, the Portugal is the Brazilian Europe so in Europe, they play yeah, well the <laughs> but they have very good players as well so yeah. they were they came to this tournament even though they didn't qualify for ninety eight with a big big confident because not what they did in the clubs but actually how good our players were at the
0: time yeah and do do you feel Philippe, which is to be honest the point I was going to get on and I think it's it's very um it's very apt that you bring it up you know in terms of everything that we've spoken about on I mean, so far we've done 84, we've done 96, and obviously now we're doing 2,000. The the two things that come up during our conversations on the last two podcasts and last two tournaments is obviously a lot of players playing in Portugal, and, you know, that's brilliant, fantastic. But in terms of the way the federation was at that point, um, in terms of what was going on with the clubs, not so much the club's performance on the field, but in terms of the politics off the field, do you think that the players because I do, I do, just wondering if you share the belief, is that, in fact, it's it was actually seen as a real, it was a bit of a blessing because the players are no longer caught up in, do you represent Benfica, do you res- represent yeah. Porto, do you represent Sporting? Now it's, I'm just uh, a top football player who, who plays it. it Does it, The club is, when you put on the Celosal jersey, you're no longer representing that club, where I feel like with 84, and indeed, with you know, like obviously the '86 World Cup and everything that happened after, even somewhat, even in '96, which is only four years prior to this, um, that it felt like when they would arrive and they didn't arrive with the sort of the the weight of the club jersey in Portugal on them, and in fact. That might have actually liberated them in a, in a sense, which I know some people might might hear and think, you know, well, we want all the Portuguese players to, to be playing in Portugal, and yeah, that's brilliant. Twenty sixteen had a massive sporting influence. The twenty six, uh, the the. The team, the most recent team, has got a nice sort of league and loss uh, call to it. There's lots of players in there who are still playing in Portugal. But what I mean is, the federation then was is in a was in a different place to what the federation is now, and I think people do need to remember that. Um, yeah. For some, me, the the, yeah. the biggest difference is exactly that is, is how uh,
1: professional the federation got. So, because prior to these Euros, as well in in the. And part of 99 was when Portugal got the... Um, they won the the possibility of organizing the Euro t- uh, 2004. And for that to happen, the whole federation got to become real professional in how they deal with things and how would they plan uh, everything around this team. And I think that made a, a big, big difference, which was no longer just to come around and, and get together for like two or three weeks and then we go out and, and play. But having the plan prior to that moment. And then the fact that most of these players already played together since they were in 89, in the under-20s. So they yeah. knew each other very well. And the federation got that step forward to to keep improving. And I think that was what made a massive difference uh, yeah. in in what was happening before and then what went after. Because like you said, this 2000 is the what changes in Portugal was from being a team, a good team that sometimes would qualify. And then from then on, they qualified for all of them. So obviously it was the players and the federation taking the step forward to to keep improving.
0: Spot on. Yeah, I think when you get given the responsibility of something like hosting a tournament in the future, um, knowing that, you know, sort of four years after, it is sort of, you know, having to put those differences aside because as a, it's no longer just... It's not a club that's going to be hosting. It's it's a country. It's a nation. It's a federation that have to sort of come together. And I think that was one of the you know one of the best things that could have happened. And it and again we we sort of sang the praises of Euro two thousand at the start. Euro two thousand and four is another one that if Euro two thousand is 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 claimed to be one of the best tournaments in terms of the football, two thousand and four is without doubt. People call it the the best organized tournaments, and I know people journalists who were working on the tournament then, who you know were a bit older than I am and, and actually experienced the firsthand either working there. Some supporters I know I've spoken to were there, and just the general press is that in Portugal apparently everything was impeccable. As I say I, I wasn't there, can't say with firsthand experience, but I'm sure if you spoke to any sort of respected journalist Portuguese or not what the vibe, apparently the vibes and stuff were fantastic. Every everyone was getting along. It was well, you know, so well orchestrated. And I think if you actually think Philippe, back to um sort of like eighty four, everything that was going out there, you know, eleven players being pulled from from international games before this tournament started by the clubs. And it seems like it's a complete whirlwind. But it went from being, you know, really disorganised to so sort of getting everything together, you know, they had to get the stuff together. But just to stick on, on 2000, don't want to go too much into 2004 because that, we've got another podcast for that, luckily. Um, What sort of strikes me, because the, the qualification is one thing that when I re- went back and revisited the tournament and um I actually spent last summer, it was in during when COVID sort of first hit, to revisit games. And I was watching sort of Euro 2000 again. The qualifying isn't something that I'd actually watched really until um, until this time around, until like recently, Philip, when we first started discussing, it was only then that I went back and watched the games against like, the games you forget, like the games against Azerbaijan, the, the 7-0. But when I was seeing the scores of, of these qualifying games, and how like the fact that Portugal just weren't conceding goals, and I was looking at scorelines, and I was seeing like get a hat-trick and Pinto get a hat trick, and Joao Pinto get a hat trick in the same game, and I'm like, yeah, man, I've got I've got to go back and watch these games, like <laughs> just because you're seeing these names, you know, the the game against Liechtenstein, I think it was it's Paulo Medeira got a brace, Luis Figo and Julio Costa all on the same scoreline, um, the game against the Azerbaijan, the seven nil. Uh Saar Pinto, Joao Pinto, Paulo Madeiras, so Pauleta got a brace. Uh so going back and sort of watching these qualifying games um was, was something that really I really enjoyed because I mean you can talk about the level of opponents. It was Liechtenstein, Azerbaijan, Romania, Slovakia and Hungary in the group. But I mean, listen, there's there's um there's there's groups that you get given and you've still got to navigate them. I mean, the one frustrating thing is that Portugal still managed to lose one of the games, uh, the Romania game in, in Porto. But other than that, it was sort of you know it was, it was near perfect. They won, uh, they, they they lost one, um, drawn two, and then and then won the rest. And as I say, they were winning them in such style. And and you you'll know Philippe and our listeners will know Portugal sometimes don't make the easiest situation out of qualifying groups when when they should I mean you've only got to look at what happened before 2016 I mean Philippe do you remember the, the Albania game <laughs> and, um, and and sort of just how negative everything was around then and it was like oh boy here we go here we go again <laughs> and the playoffs uh, ones
1: for the, the World Cups and the Euros every time you felt we had to go to a playoff with Bosnia or Sweden
0: yeah, oh, don't them Sweden games, the Ronaldo vs. Latin games. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the, I mean, you know, the neutral watch those games and think, yeah, you know, two two legends facing off against each other. But I, I can assure you, you know, I'd much rather not being in the playoff and and being yeah. able to go there. So it's a guarantee, but um, yeah, just to move forward into the tournaments, we pretty much gave gave the team out before and some of the names that we keep reeling off, even in in the in the qualifying stages, it was. I think philly we we spoke in 90 on the one about 96 about how things were starting to change but it hadn't been a, it hadn't the, the, the real change hadn't really occurred yet it was just starting the team that was there in in 89 and 91 at the at the world youth championships they were still very you know very young, very raw very young in 96 and it was four years later the 2000 that they will have you know sort of developed into the team that we that we watched take place in in the tournaments and it was almost as if in 96 you you were disappointed how how it ended but at the same time there was a little bit of optimism um and this is just from, from you know, watching the, the tournaments. Obviously, I knew what happened in 2000 when I went back and watched 96, but it felt like they just came up a little bit short, but that, you know, just give these players four years when they get into the P, and, you know, they, they could go on and do something special.
1: Yeah, because this team, so the base team for this tournament was obviously Vitor Beier, which was 30, so pick for a goalkeeper. Then he had Abel Xavier, Jorge Costa, Fernando Cotto and Dimas. Only Dimas was over 30, was 31, but still quite young. Then in the midfield, as a center They he had Vidigal and Costinha, which were Vidigal as well. Um, one of the, to be fair, Vidigal was 27, I thought he was older. But he had 27 and Costinha, 25. And then the magic four front with Rui Costa, Figo, João Pinto and Nuno Gomes. All of them in 27, 28 and Nuno Gomes, like you said, in the beginning, uh, only 23. So they were absolutely at their peak. Uh, in terms of of their ability, so everyone was very optimistic about what they could do because obviously the quality was was clearly there, as you know, for what
0: they were able to do in their in their clubs as well. Yeah, I mean, so well, um, I mean, we've we've this will be our our longest one so far because we've we've waxed lyrical and and the tournament hasn't even started yet. But the <laughs> the, the, the it's um, all worth it. It is all worth it because, and now we been half an hour speaking about the Portugal in England game, <laughs> <laughs> and we will as well. Well, we'll try, we'll try, we'll try and keep it short. But it's hard, isn't it? Because I mean, well, we'll just give the rundown. First of all, the first thing that I'll say to to, to people who are listening to this is if you've never watched the Portugal England game at Euro two thousand and You don't really have, you know, you might not have been born for it. You might not remember, you know, vivid memories of it live. You go back and watch it. I'd even say, pause the podcast. Just go (laughs) to YouTube now. Open up another tab. You don't even have to watch the full game. Just go. watch the first hour. Yeah, you've oh,
1: the first hour literally because all, <laughs> all the all goals. Is
0: done there, yeah, yeah, the, the the goals go from the third minute to the sixtieth. Um, even just just watch the highlights. Maybe if you can find extended highlights, if you haven't got an hour, you know, I'm sure you wait for I'll put up say like a ten or fifteen minute video. What a game! And then when that's done, come back, unpause us, and we'll kick off right where we're about to kick off now.
2: That's a good ball, Adrian. and it scores. Is there? And scores. has score for England. England take the lead. Paul scores. The man who got them to Euro 2000 has got them on their way. Two minutes 49 seconds gone. He's got many in the middle. It scores again. It's a second, and it's McManaman. Steve McManaman justifies his selection in real style. now he really hits that one. Oh, that is just sensational from Luis Figo. Seaman just stood and watched it, and it flew in. Humberto Cueto is off the bench and applauding. That was a fantastic strike. Good ball into middle. That is a fantastic goal, and Jao Pinto has made up for that earlier miss with a far more difficult header, and it is 2-2, and Portugal have really come back strongly. Good ball into middle. That is a fantastic goal, and Yao Pinto has made up for that earlier miss with a far more difficult header, and it is two-two, and Portugal
0: have really come back strongly. So, Philippe, and I want to. Th- this is one of the games that you vividly remember. So, I, I, I mean, I can tell you how I felt watching it uh, after the tournaments and when I was a little bit older. But for you, when Paul Scholes scores on the third minute, and Steve McManaman scores just before, just before the twentieth minute, on the eighteenth or nineteenth minute, and uh, Portugal are 2 0 down inside twenty minutes. Would take me, take me back to Philippe. As a as a child, what, what are your memories of being? 2-0 I, my down memories,
1: and... I was watching with my granddad and my grandmother. They had like a camper van thing, <laughs> so I remember watching there with all their friends, mm-hmm. and we all got together to watch this game. And then like school scores the first one, and everyone's like, "Okay, that's fine. Don't don't worry. Just just still a whole game to go." And then when McManaman scores the two nearly with eighteen minutes played. I literally walked off and I went to play football with everyone else <laughs> so I was like nah this is not for me this is not for you <laughs> and, and I just seen you know, that like everyone's start doing other things we're like okay this is gonna be a nightmare and then like when figo scores they absolutely
0: oh my god peak just like like two minutes oh. after as well but well I don't think I think it's on just on 22 minutes or so what yeah. maybe three or four minutes after McManaman. so and and that's an, an amazing goal where it just takes the and just
1: Hits it for like 35 yards or, or it looks like it. And and he scores and everyone goes crazy about it. And that way I remember going back to watch the, the rest of the game and then you have the usual <laughs> to goal, which is like Guardiola uh, from the Guardiola book. It's like 40-something passes. Oh, my like goodness. two minutes. He felt like 10 minutes off without the, any English player touching the ball. And then the header is he just <laughs> incredible <sighs> how he moves that his ball in that way they can header their ball. And then uh, he went for the the second half. But um, to be fair, I felt like as soon as Jean-Pierre scores, I think uh, we have it. Uh, England is not going to come back. Uh, They uh, they gone, and then it's uh, momentum, isn't it? Yeah, and then there's like the little um, curiosities about this tournament. She's like, it feels like we could take it to a different dimension and do like a what if type of thing because Nuno Gomes which becomes such an important play in this tournament he starts this game and he scores the 3-2 as well which a very very good goal but he only plays because Pauleta was suspended because he got sent off in the last game of the, the qualifiers the qualifying uh, stages against yeah, yeah yeah and then Sapinto which was absolutely very very important in 96 is injured for this game so that's why Nuno Gomes which will be the plan C of, of the strikers actually plays this game from the beginning, and then he goes on to, to score uh, four goals in five games. So there's a little what-if, and there's a lot in this tournament for Portugal games, This little what-ifs, which is what if Pauleta plays in Nuno Gomes, how things could be different, because we know the story of Pauleta. In the, yeah. in the Euros, he was not uh, very happy. Uh, I don't think he scored a goal in the Euros. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was such a, such a good game. It was the beginning of the rivalry, you know, because we played 2000, then 2004, and
0: 2006, in six years, there was three big games against,
1: against England and...
0: Yeah. And when, when you actually, even when you include, when you include the game at 66 and you think of how many tournaments, because at this point by 2000, Portugal had only been a um... You know they would only been at a handful of tournaments, and it felt like they played England. If you include '66, that's that's four tournaments. You yeah, know, because they
1: played '86
0: 2000... as well in the World Cup. '86 as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. My word, yeah, '86. Um, so yeah, they, it was sort. Of, but as you say, that sort of the 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 like the modern rivalry. You always class the games in in 2000, 2004 and two thousand six. Especially what happened in in um, in, in two thousand four and in two thousand six with the squad that England had and. Um, they were sort of having their own golden generation. I think two thousand was was a little bit before um, that for England because this this team didn't have like they they hadn't went on to the likes of um, like Lampard and and Gerrard. This was more in McManaman Beckham's. Yeah, it was more the old guard of yeah. Tony I Adams. think Shearer yeah. and Owen started up front, so it was before like Rooney and stuff. But this team as well, I mean, just some of the names you just reeled off. I mean, if if um we didn't do it as a podcast, but I actually were, I was lucky enough to interview Nuno Gomes a couple of years ago. Now it was maybe I forget what date it was. I think it was no, I don't think it was around about March time, around twenty twenty, um and. Um, so it wasn't that long ago, actually. Anything, yeah, that's was like it? last just, year, mate. Just yeah. To, well, to be fair, we're in June now, so it was what like a year and a half. ago? Yeah, but feels like it was prior covid so it feels like ages ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it just yeah, COVID was just getting started. <laughs> it was just getting ready to ruin everything. Um, and and he 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 said um just what we were speaking about before that sort of generation. He he spoke about how um he that golden generation. Although it sort of ended, I mean, we'll we'll get to that with what happened in the game against France and, and stuff like that. But the his his quote itself, actually just pulled up the interview. He said, "I think that Portugal side it was one of the best ever, and we deserve to win silver at international level, just like the 2004 crop. It was very hard to take to go out like that, uh, and on a personal level, that was um, you know that that was the best Euros. At, and they said, "There, I think my greatest memory." For Portugal in a sell shirt, is maybe my uh, his first goal in the match against England at Euro 2000 because that was that was Nuno Gomes' first goal for his country, uh, so he he didn't he didn't score during the um. So although we spoke about him being twenty-three, Philippe. I mean, if, if you if you play for Portugal and you score your first goal at twenty-three, now that's actually considered like, you know, quite quite old, quite like old, most players. Yeah. They'll get their first goal, like, you know, when they first get into the team, usually around 19, 20, 21, 22. I mean, you only know, got to look at the some of the names you mentioned before, the like Spandery Silva. I mean, I don't know how old he was when he scored his first goal, but it was it was it was younger than twenty three, I'm sure of it. Um Renato Sanchez the same. But yeah, he, he um so you could see just how much it sort of meant for him. This was like his tournament, his his arrival onto that stage. And um, yeah, I think Philippe, something that goes not under the radar, but for all the talk of, you know, Ruud Huller talking about sexy football and how aesthetically pleasing Portugal are. And as you say, the, the João Pinto goal, they, you know, keeping the ball and, and moving and going into the half spaces and make the opponents work and, and all that sort of stuff. Just the sheer will to actually come back from two goals down. You mean you go to, you? You mentioned it before. You know, as a kid, you you see yourself go down within two, you know, two nil within twenty minutes. First thing you want to do is stop watching and go and play football. And <laughs> as a player on the pitch, you just got to think how how tough that must be. And then you look at some of the players you're playing against. I mean, because the, the England goals were fantastic as well. The Beckham cross for, I think it's Paul Scholes' first goal. And you're thinking, you know, every time this guy gets on the ball, it's it's like he takes a free kick and open play. You know, how are you supposed to defend against that? And the fact that they managed to to rally themselves and and uh, Humberto Coelho, the, the manager, actually said after it, um, you know, I'm happy because we managed to turn things around. Uh, this is a team that is mentally and physically strong and prepared to win each game. Yeah, um, but I think be- that comes as well from
1: the fact they were playing away from Portugal. So they Figo, when when he holds that ball and brings the team to, to the next level, is with there as well from doing that for Barcelona. So that's not like a, the yeah. first-time situation where he's losing to nil against amazing players. It he happens often. He's he he plays needed, against big players uh, week in and week out. So he's used to that pressure. Same thing with other, other, other players we spoke about as well. So I think that made a big, big uh, difference. If it was happening in... Before, in a generation where Portuguese players wouldn't go uh, abroad so often, I think that would be a lot harder for them to turn around. Because I was looking at his plays and thinking, these giants now winning two 0 we have no chance because we're not used to this. But I think that experience helped them quite a lot.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. And and as I say, the the even just saying after it, the, you know how 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 pleased he was that they managed to have. That sort of in them to be able to turn it round, and as you say, it comes from from playing. I mean, you've only got to look at the Portugal side now. The you know the players who are playing, even in in Portugal, are playing at a really high level, and then you've got players around the world who who are making the difference. I mean, you've only got to listen to our Portuguese abroad, for you. To how many league champions did we speak about on the podcast? You know, this year, even the players that are playing in, in like the, the France, like the Lille contingents. You know, Bernardo Silva, who and the have just won the Premier League and been to a Champions League final. You know, Cristiano is still doing Cristiano things. You know, it may not have worked out, you know, c- completely how he wants to, but he was still racking up insane numbers. Andre Silva finished on more goals than Erling Haaland, but gets, you know it's only half the conversation about him um but but what but what I'm what I'm trying to say is these and it it only stands the the seller in good stead and then you balance that with the players who who play in portugal and play at a really high level as well the likes of you know the players who are playing at sporting porto benfica who are now you know trying to make a good go over in europe and you've got to look at you know fc porto in the last couple of seasons Pep going back there and still playing at a high level, you know, knocking Juventus out and, and coming close against Chelsea. So it you know it all bodes well but as I say, staying with um, this even from like watching it back, I think it was just because Obviously, the game after was, was exciting as well because it was an absolute Sergio Cuentasau masterclass. But the Romania game, the, the 1-0 against Cust- um, with the Costinha goal, came on as a substitute as well. It's a very yeah, tight game. There's
1: another what-if in this tournament. That's what I told you about. Like, So basically, the story is on 87 minutes. Costinha yeah. comes on, but it's not supposed to be Costinha. It's supposed to be Paul Sosa. But I don't know why. The story is that Paul Sosa didn't really fancy it. For these last three, four minutes. So basically, <laughs> he didn't want to go on. So Humberto Coelho was like, okay, let's put Costinha in. And then he puts him in and he scores. So, you know, like, <laughs> not a little thing that sounds another like crazy, but would be another what if in it, which is if he doesn't yeah. score that goal, then there will be not the 3 0 against Germany because Portugal, if they draw this game, they wouldn't be uh, qualified straight away. They'll be very close, but not yet. So, yeah. just little tiny things, which is makes this tournament even more magical but yeah this game like i said in the beginning is one of the games this one and against turkey that i my memory is not very strong i don't i don't remember if even if i watched this game live or not um but yeah my, my note was about this one <laughs> that costinha comes on because bolso's doesn't really fancy and, and it was another Figo
0: assist um yes indeed the, uh, e- 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 yeah, it was a free kick. It, yep. it was a header from a free kick, wasn't it? And um, yeah, as you say, the the so they managed to everything is watching the game back when I as I say when I watched it last year, um, doing like the rewatch. Yeah, it was just a very it was a very tight game. It was. And I think that pretty much sums it up. Is yeah. If you compare sort of like the João Pinto goal from the previous game and then compare it to like this 1-0 tight encounter winner from a set piece, it was showing that Portugal could sort of do both because although yeah. they, they struggled at points, they still managed to get it across the line and with the yeah. Portuguese teams. It was, it
1: was tight as well because obviously both teams knew each other very well. They played in the in the, in the qualifiers, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. knew exactly the strengths and weakness from both teams. So I think there mm-hmm. was a bit... Um, reluctant to to go too much forward, a draw would be okay for both of them. So, I think was much more defensive way uh, than what we would think about because Romania at this time it was a very offensive team as well, especially with Agi. Even though he was not a speak but he was still an uh, incredible player. So yeah, but yeah.
0: And then the the following the the game after, as I say, I I. Um... At the time, or what I can say is, uh, sorry. At the at the time of watching it last year, I remember thinking, if I was, if I remembered this tournament, or if I was a bit older during this tournament, and I saw that team that Coelho put out against Germany, I would have been absolutely livid because Germany needed to needed to get something. Only two players, um, started this game yeah, that it was started. The the England match, exactly, yeah, Fernando Couto and George Costa. But then if you go back to what we were saying on the on the previous pod, Philippe about tired legs catching up. And here in this time, we see nine changes and they still go out and do it. And that, you know, sort of stands it into good stead going into the next game. The players are a little bit more rested up. And as you say, the fact, you know, a lot of them are in the peak. Uh, I just feel like even with that side of things, it was managed a lot better, like managerially, and then you know that's that's credit to Coelho. He, he say is just uh, the, the, the two center, the two defenders. Um, started Germany were really uninspiring, and and you know you can call it a second string Portugal side. Um, but you know, obviously, there's still you know some really good quality on show, but it was the decision. The uh, show show. <laughs> he was. I mean, he. he I, I mean, whatever way you look at it, as I say, the the Germany side, you know, sort of uninspired, a little bit flat, but he still put a hatchet past Oliver Kahn, and um, you know, not a, not a lot of uh, <laughs> not a lot of players, uh I, I've done that, and I think for Koncerzow as well, being sort of a, a bench player, you know, who was playing frequently. For for Lazio and I think Lazio at the time were, at you know a massive club. I mean they still are. No disrespect, but I mean in terms of yeah, in, they won the Europe league that year or
1: the year before, yeah, before something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah and with, he was um, he was you know, uh, as well in the team, still playing.
0: Yeah, he was he was he was a big part of that, and. Um, although he may have been frustrated and, you know he, he plays and he scores a hat trick and it's sort of like this passionate celebration of you know this is why I should be playing but at the same time like you, you can't hate on that because you have got to think it's great to be able to have substitutes who come in and and can do that they don't yeah. you know he may have sulked but he didn't come on and and kick up a fuss and, and not perform he he came on scored the hat trick three games three wins and everything is just Going so so well. It's, yeah, it above, is, yeah, just yeah. just to add up about well, this
1: game, just a couple things. The first one is that this Germany of 2000 is the weakest Germany. Um, yeah, probably ever. Um, they had some good players, but Michael Balak was still very young. Oliver Kahn, of course, was a good player. They still had Lota Mataus, but were obviously already almost 40 at this old, stage. Yes. So it was very, very old. And then with Portugal's team is absolutely spot on what you said, which was to keep everyone fresh legs. And another thing was to show that every single player had a chance to play. Mm-hmm. And to keep everyone happy, and he has a little detail, which is at the 90th minute, he changes goalkeepers to make sure Keane <laughs> would have at least a minute yeah. in in the tournament, and I think that's a very very smooth uh, to do and and the award because obviously the third goalkeeper normally is. Looking as a as a gift, okay, just come along. But actually, it's it's still quite important. And then yeah. Sergio Conceição with the three goals, he managed to then start the next two games, both in the quarterfinals and then in a in the semi-final, Even though in one of them he ended up playing as a right back because it was honestly the only spot where he could <laughs> take any of the <laughs> Get other players the team. <laughs> out and, and play it. But, but yeah, but it
0: was was it was the Sergio
1: Conceição show and bring on Thaki.
0: Yeah, bring on Turkey and and that that was just a really nice point that you made there about about the goalkeeper because three wins, um, nine points, and yeah, Philippe, every single player, uh in the twenty three man squad, including all three goalkeepers, played at least a minute of action. So every single player that's a an incredible statistic. You know that's that's it's not it's not often you'll see that. I mean, I guarantee it. This European Championship, there'll be um. There'll be plenty of teams where, where players don't play a single minute, and and I think it was as you say. I think you said it was it was just a really nice touch that, um, you know, at a European Championships, at a major competition, to so still so as I have that, every single player is valued, and uh, I think even when we're speaking about it, the the, the tone that we speak about this tournament is, is different to the to the last two that we did because it does feel like it just had more of a positive feel about it, and I feel like the tournament in general, as I say, we we cover. You know, the Portuguese side of things, but there's nothing to stop our, our sort of listeners uh, from going back and just catching just catching the highlights on YouTube of the tournament Yeah, in, in there's general, because there's some amazing games. Just, oh, some absolutely Netherlands brilliant at games. this
1: tournament played so, so well. All the stadiums were full. So in 96, there was a lot of stadiums that you could see through TV footage. They were not full. So, like, in yes, Portugal, right, yeah, yeah. um, in Villa Park, the, the, the stadium was not full. And in this one, in, in uh, Belgium and, and Netherlands, every single game, he felt it was packed, and the noise was incredible. The TV coverage was amazing as well. So, he really felt like he was uh, the next level of things.
0: Yeah, 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 spot on. That's a really good point there, actually. um actually. We move on four days later, just four days after from the Germany game. Yeah. Um, Turkey, quarter-finals um, and bear in mind, just at this point, Portugal hadn't hadn't conceded since the England game, so obviously conceded those two goals uh, to Scholes and McManaman, but then since then 1-0 against Romania, 3-0 against Germany, they play Turkey, it's another clean sheet and it's another win uh, a 2-0 win and it was that man that we spoke a couple of times about today on the show, uh, Nuno Gomes managed to get both goals in the quarter-finals and it was just a real this this performance, Philippe, it was it was it was it was just such a like a, a professional. Just, yeah, it was it was just so everything about it was was right. It, it was for the ninety minutes. It was just, I mean, Luis Figo. I mean, again, we two assists. Yeah, that was exactly <sighs> what I was, was gonna say. On. Un- Believable, like it, 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 every is off the ball, on the ball. You go back, and it, I hate the cliche, really, of when people, you know, like all the f- like footballers. You and, and people say, oh they don't make him like him no more." And you know, like, real get really with, nostalgic. That, that
1: with him it's true because it's but yes, still that's weird. exactly
0: yes. That he's a
1: winger, but his body doesn't look like a winger because no. he was such a strong player. He yeah. was always coming inside or going outside. If he was a one v one, he could beat them in speed as well in technique. He was <laughs> yeah, it, such it a was complete player.
0: That's that's literally what I was gonna say. You, you see, you see people, you know, they'll they'll purely for nostalgia's sake, they'll, they'll be a certain player and they'll say like, oh, "They don't make him like him no more." And it's like, but, but as you say, literally why I brought it up was to say, "Los Figo in that game." You you watch him, you're thinking you don't see a winger do this now. You do not see a performance like this. You don't see a player, as you say, that's built like that. You don't see a player who's got that just a bit. And obviously, the game now is is different, and everything is more centered. I mean, your wingers now are, are, you know, the majority are just they're, they're inside forwards. They don't, you know, it it the game has evolved and it's changed, and and now it's all about. Know, statistical contributions, obviously Figo was getting assists, but now as wingers they'll you know kind of try and get fifteen plus goals a season, fifteen assists, and you know, really try and um and, and with the numbers, but Figo it felt he was productive numbers wise, but also just to watch him. Philippe like the the aesthetic like quality of him, like he was he was unbelievable. He was no one that and it, that he
1: felt like that, that, no one would that, ever yeah. be able to touch him.
0: Ridiculous, and um, yeah, he he was. You go back to it, the, the what ifs Nuno Gomes only sort of gets into the team because of him, um, because of Palata's suspension, and now he's on three goals in three games, and he's the starting striker. Yeah. And you know, he, he, if you would, to, you know, for, for him, I, I can't recall whether I, I asked him anything about, but like, in terms of his attitude going into the Euros. I think yeah. I mean, if you'd have if you'd have told him that he'd have started and scored that many, he'd have absolutely snapped your hand off because it it you know he's probably I'm the 23 year old I'm the youngest man in the entire squad. I'm going to play my supporting role if I can sort of come off the bench if I can make an impact. But as you say, these um, the, the we're gonna to have to do a podcast where we do a what if. I mean, I know there's a, there's, a, there's a podcast in... Is it a Portuguese podcast, Philippe? I think we've spoken about it before. Yeah, where they yeah, do... where
1: they do like uh, if situations uh, were reversed or something like that, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is quite fun. But in Sounds this game, good. there's another what if. It's like this tournament, I, we could do a different <laughs> Euro 2000 just with the what if, <laughs> which is obviously is a very easy win. And Portugal end up playing with uh, against 10 for like an hour because half an hour mark, there was uh, Ozala got sent off for, for Turkey. But then after Gomes scores mm-hmm. at the 44, at the 45 minutes, Turkey has a penalty that Vitrube is saved. And then just a little, what if, if that penalty goes in, is 1-1 for the second half playing against 10. But obviously Turkey would defend for their life, hoping for... To go to to extra time because at the time was still the, the golden goal that ended up killing us against uh, against France, but yeah. just that little thing if Vitor B doesn't save that penalty, the game could have been so so what different. If? But. Yeah. Then yeah, in the second half, Nuno uh, Gomes scores quite early, if I remember correctly, in the in the second half, and and really kills the game. And um, everyone was thinking already who would be playing, and it was France. It was, it was going to be France or, or Spain? But Zidane was in a different level. <laughs> as is, well,
0: oh, ew, unbelievable! I mean, the the this game, this I mean, UEFA actually. If you follow UEFA on Twitter, I might be UEFA um maybe the Euro twenty twenty account, they post like sort of throwback clips and they posted uh just like a three minute reel of Zidane in this match. Um as I say, the the two opponents who were known to each other, it was a it was a repeat of, of nineteen eighty four. It was that same energy going into the game to, you know, in in eighty four Portugal were probably, you know, they were not favoured, but then by the time they met them they were, you know, in a really good moment. Again in this competition. Um, to just some of the players for that France team. I think it was, uh, it was Costinha going up against Patrick Vieira in mid- midfield, and then, like I say Zinedine Zidane, just
1: <laughs> basically yeah, it was Patrick Vieira, Didier Deschamps, in Zidane against Costinha, Vidigal, and uh, Rui Costa. Yeah, but still, you can see clearly here there was a, a big difference in, yeah. in quality. <laughs> they,
0: they, they just. But yeah, they yeah. talking about this game
1: sad. is obviously is always hard to, to speak about. But yeah, to be honest, after rewatching it, you can see that France was way better. It was not like 84 where Portugal, France was still better than Portugal, but Portugal played well and had moments where you could see that Portugal could make it. In this game, even though we scored earlier, there was always a sense that France, they could go another level. And I, and I remember watching this game with, with my dad and my dad before the game said, so son, you need to be careful and watch Henri, uh, Anelka, and uh, Zidane. And I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to watch these three plays. So I was watching the game, and we score, and then uh, Henri scores, and I'm like, okay, that's not that's not good. But then Anelka comes off, and I'm thinking, okay, from the three guys they send, only two on, and then uh, Enrique comes off as well. I think, okay, we have it in a bag. Like yeah. uh, this, this French national coach doesn't know what he's doing. He's Could taking all his better players on. out, and then <laughs> was the last one that ended up killing us. But yeah, in in the game, we see that like we, we he felt now that we dropped too much. And, and yeah. we couldn't control the, the midfield. There was a moment where a Bell, uh, Jean Pinto almost scored, um a goal at the end of the 90 minutes. And then Abel Xavier uh, scores almost from a corner as well already on the on the extra time, which obviously was the goal and goal, he would, would finish the game. And then this, yeah. the last what if could be the other way around. If Abel Xavier <laughs> scores this goal, there's no handball. <laughs> uh, we would be speaking oh. about the first... Uh, Portugal win on a Euro and um, end up
0: not being like
1: that at all. <laughs> I mean,
0: this the scenes, the scenes after that. The like, arguing um, against
1: the referee.
0: Yeah, well, Abel got nine nine months. Nuno Gomes was suspended for eight months. Paulo Bento. Um, got suspended. I feel everyone was suspended. that. Yeah, of Paulo Bento was, was 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 five or six months. So it was. I mean, it was. It wasn't the best way to to bow out, but say one hundred and seventeen minutes, Felipe, and we got. Well anyway, <laughs> right, that, that, that brings us to the end and, and to be honest for our for our listeners, especially those who, who, who haven't went back and watched the tournament and are sort of just experiencing it, maybe for the first time now. It feels like we we've spoken with so much positivity and, and praise and then we get to the France game and, and it's finished. Of, it's it, it, it's over like that. But there's but how, as you how say,
1: everyone felt at the time, which was Yes, they are letting us dream like and we're getting yeah. so close, and then suddenly it goes off. Yeah. Completely. But yeah, um, just taking the bias off, um, Zidane in his tournament of the... was Platini of, of eighty four. It was uh, yeah, he was playing a different game. He was yeah, and in the game was, was, uh, Figo against Zidane, Zidane was clearly better at uh, at two thousand.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was it was his game, and um, was this Philippe, Was this the last time? That golden goal was used. And yeah, so basically it was 2000. Another
1: what if? 96, yeah. <laughs> 96 and 2000 was the golden goal. And then in 2004 was the silver goal. Which the silver was like the, if they score in the first half, at the end of the first half is done. It goes to the 105. And then, it, and then, and then in, in yeah, 2008 they, they thought, okay, that's, that's silly. <laughs> yeah, <we'll laughs> Because get they the saw what just... Greece then to Czech Republic and they thought, yeah, this cannot happen again. <laughs> oh, don't mention the word Greece, because
0: um, well, we that's the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be honest, that that takes us to the end of Euro two thousand. Again, we try and take the bias off, but it's what well, I mean—a magnificent tournament. Um, everything about it is just brilliant bar the way, you know. But by the way, <laughs> by the way, finish. Yeah, by the way, finish. But. But Philippe, thanks for sharing some of the some of the stuff that you've because as I say, you, you remember this tournament a lot a lot more funly than I do. I mean a lot better and a lot more vivid than I do. But um it's been amazing, again, just to to share. This has been a, a longer one, but I'm sure people will really enjoy listening to this. And as I say, if you haven't listened to eighty four and ninety six, why not go back and listen to sort what, of what kicked it all off. 2000 will lead into 2004. That episode no doubt will be with you probably the day after you're listening to this. Um, so we'll be pushing them out basically on a daily basis uh, going into the next week. And thanks again, for Lee. Yeah, see you in 2004, mate. See you in, see you in four years time, mate. Cheers. <laughs>